Welcome to the Recon Podcast. In this first episode, you get to meet the hosts. We talk a bit about ourselves, our life during lockdown, our thoughts on the BLM movement, and the juicy tea that happens when Team Recon is at, air quotes, work. Please enjoy the episode. So it's pilot season in the Recon studio. Welcome to the Recon podcast. It's finally happening after many, many years of several different people bringing it up within the team and me always dismissing it because I feel like we've always got so many things to do. The videos, the events, the editorial, blah, 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 blah. Photography. All it took was a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely. So, um, yes. naughty word of 2020. Oh, mm. please God. don't. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but um, I'm really glad that we're finally doing it. Um, and it's an opportunity for us to talk about some things that are going on in the scene um, and everything fetish and kink. So, obviously, I'll introduce myself first. Sorry, I'll go first. Ladies first. <laughs> um, I'm Matt Sandy. Um, let's go around the room. Who else have we got? I'm O Billy, or just Billy. Uh, it's Antoine from Events. And it's Matt from Events, or Scully. So these are our lovely hosts for, we are the lovely hosts. I shouldn't say it like that. We are the lovely hosts. How are we feeling about our first episode? Or what we call in the business, episode zero. <laughs> <laughs> so profesh. Um, yeah, I know it's good. It's something that's been on the radar for a while and we've talked about it. And now here we are and people get to have to listen to our opinions, which is great. They so. have to listen to our voices <laughs> as well. Yeah. New strides, it's going to be epic. <laughs> <laughs> the equipment we can't return. So <laughs> <laughs> Make it work. We paid for the equipment, it's too late. Um, okay, so I think that we should talk about what we want to kind of accomplish with the podcast. What do we think? Why do we think that it's necessary and all that kind of stuff? Does anyone have, just jump in. I think it's good to put across, I mean, we all have very different opinions, I think, within the scene. I think it's actually a really nice overview of, um, yeah, opinions and ideas, I think. I think as well, like, podcasting has kind of exploded over the last few years, and it's it's a very direct way to get to our members, and, and they can get to know us a bit better. Obviously, we have our videos and articles and stuff like that, but um, a podcast, you've kind of got more room to breathe and more space to work with, and... Yeah, it gets to know us and gets to know other members with, you know, interesting perspectives and talents. I think, you know, it's taken us a while to get here, but um, I think putting out a podcast is like choreographing. You choreograph when you have a story to tell. You create a podcast when you have something to say. And I think over time we've been investing a lot in trying to uh, continue to bridge the community and build on that community. And this is just one other step uh, into mm. us doing, you know, the things that we like to do to bring people together. Yeah, I think that's the thing for me. I think it's kind of been a journey in order to get here. Like, and I'll, I think each of us will talk about our time with Recon individually, but like, from my point of view, we've kind of moved the brand and, you know, the platform into a space where we are kind of allowed to express our opinions. I think a couple of years ago, we wouldn't have probably been able to, you know, Recon was kind of like a faceless thing. And now we do, you know, the videos, which obviously gave us a platform to kind of like shine our members and obviously ourselves as well. Um, and I think more and more people are 
bothered about the opinions of our members but also of us as well so it kind of just worked out great i think we'll find out <laughs> we'll <see. laughs> yeah. maybe no one will care at all so yeah i hope that it just kind of gives us another opportunity to discuss deeper actually topics that we kind of bring up like we've done a couple of things in the issue the magazine that's out we've done a couple of videos that i think have really you know made an impact on the scene and i just think that i agree with you antoine that it's another yeah. kind of extension to kind of like bring the community together um create some discussion and hopefully just make a positive contribution to it as well yeah i mean over the years people have seen a lot of the content that we put out and a lot of it is or has been very visual in even the things um, that we've done with interviewing members or, you know, interviewing people at events. Um, and the podcast just gives another opportunity for people to experience, I guess, the depth of voice behind the visuals that they've been seeing for so many years. And also for us to bring in, you know, deeper, more meaningful content. For sure. Okay, so we can't, the elephant in the room, or well, no, there's a, there's a dog in the room as well. But <laughs> it, just in case he barks, um, I have a new dog. His name is Bo. Um, and let's address what's currently happening in 2020. <laughs> what is with regard, happening? With regards to, let's talk about- Which lock- thing? <laughs> yeah. I know, Which right? One? Let's talk about lockdown. Obviously we're all social distancing here. Um, so that's first things. Hey. We have video footage to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> We've spaced out the mics. Um, however, you know, let, let's talk about our lockdown experiences. I, for some of you, I haven't seen you physically since March, basically. So we're in lockdown or we're in this weird middle phase of we're out, stay alert, stay, <laughs> start, you know, taking out some ninja moves to uh, combat coronavirus. How are you guys feeling about lockdown? What's What's it been like from start to this point now? It's been... Great. No, um, <laughs> I think for me personally, it, I've been okay. I think um, the first 10 weeks were quite rough because I wasn't bubbled with the person I'm seeing at the moment. So that was really hard. Not having sex was really hard. And then following having sex, it's been a lot better. But like, obviously, it kind of catches you out every now and then. So you'll think you're fine. You'll be going on, you're fine. And then it just, I get hit by waves of kind of, realization of the situation mm. and a bit of apathy and stuff but generally we're doing stuff like this you know you're finding ways around it you're finding ways to kind of interact and keep connected like zoom and all those sort of other things so bloody love zoom <laughs> god bless zoom and facetime well yeah but yeah it's it, it's so unprecedented and it's something that none of us would have probably ever expected or anticipated or been prepared for but i think it's definitely interesting the way society is reacting to it or not reacting to it in some circles but yeah antoine i'm gonna because it's really funny antoine and i went to gran canaria in january and i always think back on that flight when you gave me because antoine gave me a mask and was like have you not heard about this thing called coronavirus and it's going around and blah 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 blah. make sure you wear your mask and da and i was like Anton, what are you talking about? Shut up. <laughs> like, and I always think back to that moment when we were the only two people sat on that plane <laughs> with nice. masks. And now look, it's kind of like developed into this thing that we're in at the moment. Um, how's lockdown been for you? I think the lockdown has been pretty interesting. You know, the first few weeks were really quite nice to, I thought, you know, 
I'm at home. I can chill some Netflix, get up in the morning, check my emails, blah, 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 blah. It was great. And then I guess about six weeks in, it was like, oh, fuck, I'm not getting on a plane. I'm not traveling somewhere. I'm not in the lounge. We're not doing an event. I'm not seeing people. <laughs> I love that. Antoine, Antoine, we have a tradition in the team. Whenever we travel anywhere, we always go to the lounge if we can get access to the, to the, to the lounge and sit there no matter what time it is. And it's normally crack of dawn in the morning and have a glass of champagne before we get on a flight or get absolutely trashed before we get on a flight. I and think that woman at BH, the woman at the lounge, if she only knew how much I actually miss her. <laughs> <laughs> you should write her a letter. I probably should dare Do a shout out. I miss my favorite lady at the lounge. I'm sure she misses me just as much. I'm this, sure. This is very relatable, guys. <laughs> Elitist, doesn't mean the fetish scene? No. I think, you know, in, in, in our job and in my role especially, you know, we're used to being around people all the time, mm. you know, either hundreds or thousands of people at a time. And suddenly, you know, we're thrust into isolation, you know, from being at a huge event, you know, 5,000, 10,000 people, suddenly I'm in my flat, you know, in four walls. I mean, thank God I had my terrace outside, you know, as a saving grace, you know, we're mm. keeping TV. So it was, it was an adjustment, but I think overall, I think I've fared clearly well in the lockdown. I do pretty well in my own company anyway. And I mean, thank God, you know, we had things like Teams and Zoom and, you know, uh, like FaceTime. So we yeah. can actually still connect and see people. Um, I think we probably all, you know, miss the physical connection. Uh -huh. um, but for the most part, yeah, I did all right. Good. What about you? It's been a journey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and no, I was, uh, yeah, I think it's been, it's been like, Will, uh, like Billy said, it's been very up and down, very up and down. Um, I think as time has gone on, the irony of being at Darklands when it was all hitting and then someone announcing, don't worry guys, we've got extra hand sanitizer by <laughs> people being barebacked everywhere. Like, I feel like it's funnier now than it was at the time. <laughs> they can't see my face right now. <laughs> oh my God, I'm gonna um, cry. <laughs> Um, like, you <laughs> <stupid>. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember though? Like, cause like we, we had a discussion about going to dark. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, oh, is everyone comfortable? And we were like, all right, a bit overdramatic, but yeah, we're fine. But no, it was really serious. Like as a, as a team. So we, sorry, just to give a bit more of a backstory, obviously, you know, we travel as part of our jobs, um, to these different events and it, when coronavirus, COVID-19, I should say, sorry kind of really hit, it was just on that time when we were going to Darkland. Italy had just gone into lockdown. Yeah. yeah, and it was very much like, you know, as a business, you can't force people to go somewhere if they don't feel comfortable going somewhere, especially when there's like a global pandemic on. So we really had to ask everyone, like, do you feel comfortable? Do you want to go and try and figure out as well whether we were going to go and endorse it as a team? But we, we ended up going for a number of different reasons. Um, so, and we supported Darklands. And then from that point onwards, everything just kind of went into lockdown. Yeah. Well, we came came back, didn't we? And I think, I think we were, I think I'd taken the, like the rest of that week off, but, and then we went into like, kind of self-voluntary lockdown. Yeah. And then within yeah. a week, we were all in lockdown. Yeah. It was, it was a funny one, Darklands as well. It was, cause it was on the cusp of it. We obviously wanted yeah. to be there and support the guys um, over at Darklands and stuff, but and it was just, 
It was strange, and it was. I'm glad. I'm glad we went, but at the same time, it was kind of. It wasn't the same usual vibe and stuff. But yeah. I think everyone. There's no had Italians. <laughs> <laughs> I just you. for me, it was very much like I just didn't know what, what we were doing. I'm like, are we hugging? Are we kissing? Are we not doing this? And I still feel like that. Actually. It didn't it matter even if you said you weren't because people came up to us and hugged us and kissed us without warning anyway. So it was, yeah. uh, it was good, at, you know, having the hand gel in my pocket and I think my hands were so completely dry at the end of each day you know but going to Darklands you know was a bit bittersweet it was almost like okay one for the road it was the last one for us and for many other people you know before it really started to hit home and people really started to take it more seriously than they had been doing previously you know it it wasn't just in China anymore it was moving west really fast yeah Yeah. I think for me what I've learned is just how quick things can change. And like, it was almost like you saw this domino effect um, with things being canceled. Obviously we had to cancel our events. The other side, I think the the positive side is it has given us more time to work on other things. And it has given us kind of, I guess that break from doing things like fetish week and, and events, but it is like, it's sad because you get so used to doing it and you get, you look forward to seeing people and going to these events. Yeah. I mean, for me, lockdown, I started out really appreciating having the time not traveling actually, to be honest, because for me personally, the traveling was getting to me a lot. Like, you know, I always, we always do the Lady Gaga joke of like bus, plane, club, another club, another club, another club. And I genuinely feel like sometimes that is, our, <laughs> that is how we kind of go about our business. So for me, I was kind of in a way grateful to not have to travel anymore. Yeah. I mean, it was sad having to cancel the events um, and having to take the time to really consider about Fetish Week, which, you know, we put in so much work already. Like, yeah. I mean, from our side, in terms of the promotion and the guide and, you know, organizing all the sponsorship and all that kind of stuff. Like, we did, people don't realize that there's only really one month in the year that we do not think about Fetish Week as a team. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that is August. And now, now that's the issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. talk about it. <laughs> I know. So, you know, from, you know, the events side of things, you know, you guys had already organized the whole entire week, the structure, the people that were going to be involved, all the different organizations that were going to be involved. So it was really like hard to kind of say, well, all of that in a way, it felt like it didn't matter, but you know, I'm, I, I like, I think like you, Matt, I've kind of had like peaks and troughs with it. I've kind of got into a really good groove with it now. I think I was lucky that the guy that I was seeing, that is now my boyfriend. Mm. Oh, no, let's not stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you stupid bitch. Um, but we decided to go into lockdown together, which I think was a kind of a smart move because it, but then at the same time, it really meant that we had to move our relationship forward faster than maybe I would have liked it to. Um, But it was good to have the company. And it also meant that I got to have my dog, which I've been wanting for about three years. And now he's finally here. I've been saying no. (laughs) Yeah, I said no too. (laughs) She finally defied me. (laughs) But look, he's here now and you all love him. So shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm... I think though at the moment, what I'm kind of struggling with is this vagueness Mm -hmm. to lockdown, i.e. what, like, just be clear about what we're supposed to do. You know, I I know obviously wherever you are listening to this, it might be different, but in the UK, it just feels hella vague. 
it just feels like yeah. it's, it feels like a mess to be honest. It's a complete mess, yeah. and it's chopping and changing, and it, it's different information comes at different times, and then they say oh, from this date you will need to do this, and from that date you do that, and it's just. I also yeah. feel like there's this whole thing about how we as a society like social interactions are completely weird now. And I feel like if you're not doing the right thing, other people are judging you, or it's really hard not to judge people for not doing the right thing as well. Does that make sense? It does, but I think personally, and I think also as a brand, we did really good with it. Mm. You know, if I go back from, you know, the whole lockdown thing has been really bittersweet in missing the events and dealing with a lot of things being canceled. But at the same time, I really had to celebrate, you know, this is the longest spell that I have been in London and spending time in my flat Truth. in the 14 and a half years since I've been working for this company. You know? <laughs> Give that bitch a raise. Me too. You get less for murder. <laughs> on, on the other side of it, you know, from the, the brand side, I think we've also done really well, you know, like with um, uh, Billy, Kim, you know, starting the uh, Gear Stays On yes. campaign. It was one of the things that we wanted to reinforce. That was Billy's idea, by the way. Everyone yeah. needs to give Billy a round of applause because that was a monster of an idea. It was you know, kind of genius. But it was one of the things we wanted to do. I think, you know, in taking some responsibility for ourselves and also for our members to remind people, you know, that even though the lockdown comes and it's maybe not the easiest, but, you know, stay at home, but mm. you can still gear up and have yeah. some fun. Yeah. And I mean, and thank God for all these other platforms that allowed people to log on, see other people and connect. And, you know, it was brilliant, you know, the response we got from people and that led into us you know like doing our first virtual event da, 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 which, which again i'm just gonna give another round of applause yeah. to for that, that was the gear stays on virtual event if you missed out on it was i was so super impressed with it like you guys worked so hard on it i'm this is really sorry but it's true it was so good what were you gonna say I, I was just gonna say i'm not gonna lie I thought it was going to be an absolute shit. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to lie. You so hate it. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I, I was obviously supporting you, but I thought it was going to be an absolute disaster. But you proved me wrong, and it was it really work it out, bitch. Yeah, yes. it, it, it was Fine. so good. <laughs> Going going back to gear stays on. Um, I sent in my picture. <laughs> they will be posted at some point, people. Don't worry. <laughs> Any remainders? Um, okay, so I'm just gonna quickly, just swiftly move on to something else as well that's happened, obviously during lockdown. And I think that we're gonna have an episode probably dedicated a little bit more to this topic. But I do want to obviously talk about it because it's really affected my lockdown in the last like month or so. And that's to do with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I'm not gonna lie, from June, I've been a bit of a wreck to be honest, and it's really upsetting me, mostly because another platform, just to give some backstory, another platform, I woke up one day and someone had sent me a link that another platform had decided to remove their ethnicity filter. And the way that they had phrased it was, in a way to kind of suggest that doing that had solved racism on their platform. And then it, because everyone is really upset and genuinely, and um, and rightly so, they should be upset. Um, it kind of created this, I felt like, witch hunt on social media to kind of be like, well, what is Recon gonna do? And I feel like the other platform did not really truly think it all the way through. And, you know, as a team, we sat down to kind of discuss what our stance on it was and 
we put out a statement, which I wrote with, you know, the, the points that we kind of discussed in our meeting. And since that point, I've had personally, like, and I'm sure other people around this table have had similar sort of things. I've had a lot of kind of hate, mm -hmm. ignorance, um, positive things as well. But, you know, it's really easy just to take the negative. And there was something about, <laughs> people don't understand what actually what the term racism actually means and how it works, which was very apparent from the feedback that we got. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's really funny that white people don't like being called white people because, <laughs> because that was the thing that they had the beef with in, in the statement that I made. And, you know, seeing my full name being used like in comments and feedback with Sandy PM is a racist. I was like, oh, and that's really kind of broken me a little bit. Um, and it's kind of broken my spirit because it's as a black man myself, I'm trying to come to terms with everything that's going on. And on the second level, I'm trying to come to terms with everything on a work basis that I need to kind of like process as well. I think it has been a really difficult thing to balance. But you know, one good thing is that we have been right from the very start, um, a very supportive team. And it was good that we could come together and everyone remained open-minded and we could discuss and we could put the difficult questions, you know, on the table and also to ourselves. And I think the other thing that was very good was that we didn't force any outside entity to, you know, dictate um, our storyline. Yeah. You know, we were going to set our own, create our own path, and we were going to be rational and logical about it. Yeah. And I think this really was the best decision. We always know, you know, since uh, time, you know, the naysayers would also come out of the woodwork. And no matter what we do, something I know from also doing events, we will never, ever make everyone happy all the time. True. But we felt it was really important to have the discussion, to make the statement, be clear about what our stance was, and also take this as an opportunity to not just educate ourselves, but also to educate other people about the topic. You know, there's there are huge misconceptions about what it actually means and what it does to people's personal lives. For sure. Um, what about you guys, Billy and Matt? Like, how has it kind of affected you? Obviously, you're white. <laughs> <laughs> One of the whitest. One of the whitest. Um, do you like being called white people? <laughs> it's pure fact. Um, it's, I mean, it's something that everything that's gone on with the movement and stuff and all the all the actions that have come from it are things that have been obviously necessary for a very long time. And it's caused me to evaluate my whiteness and my privilege and stuff like that. I've been trying to educate myself. I've also trying to, it's hard in some ways like with social media and stuff like that, because, you know, I do social recon, but on my own personal social media, like I want to be supportive, but I don't want to take up space. I don't want, I, yeah. so it's trying to find that balance of what I wanting to do the right thing. I want to do the thing for the best, but you get so much conflicting information from, um, from like initially there was stuff like, oh, you know, reach out to black friends and stuff like that, make sure they're okay and stuff like that. But then there was also, then it was like, oh, stop reaching out to black people. And mm -hmm. and it, I, it, it sometimes, uh, there were points where it kind of made me freeze almost because I wanted to do what was right, but I just didn't know the way forward. Yeah. Um, it's actually been very beneficial working in this team and being a part of this team and kind of having the focus of recon's action with this issue and, you know, this movement and kind of 
in a way it's helped me to sort of hone my focus and kind of get a greater understanding, like listening to what Sandy has to say, listening to what Antoine has to say, also reaching out to my black friends and stuff and getting their viewpoints. I mean, it's an ongoing process and there's still so much information to take in, but I think it's just important that we do keep taking it in and we keep kind of learning from it. And like, you will make mistakes, you know, we all make mistakes all the time and stuff in order to do all topics, but especially with this. And I think it's just a case of trying to learn from it and do better, really. For sure. That was a really good answer, Will. Thanks. <laughs> well, she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, um, come on, comedian. Um, I think, I think it's been definitely been um, a bit of a social and cultural minefield, to, and it's been it has been difficult to navigate for a couple of reasons. I think, I, I, and again, I guess from from a personal point of view, I think as well being in in the type type of job we are, I feel like we are very um, we're just a very aware and we're quite a liberal bunch as mm. well. And like you know, something like this is, has obviously turned into such a big thing that it does make you sort of take stock and sort of maybe take a step back and think mm, I think I like to think of myself in this in this way but is that just me looking at myself through rose-tinted glass glasses and actually do I do I still need to continue to educate myself and like I think it's I think you I think we put out something you know it's not enough just not being racist it's about being anti-racist um, um so yeah, I mean it, it's been difficult, but I think the thing I think the fact that I have found it difficult is probably a good thing because I think if I didn't yeah. find it difficult, then maybe there would be I would an be, issue. I think I think <laughs> I think there would be a lot of issues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's fine. I'm fine. Yeah, it didn't bother me in the slightest. There was there, there was um there was a, a moment I went to one of the um one of the marches and I do I, I remember sort of standing there thinking oh I remember standing here like four years ago four or five years ago when there was I think there was a, a sh it was a shooting I think in Hackney that ended up sort of creating um sort of a bit of a backlash in the movie and there was a march and I remember sort of thinking oh god and I remember sort of standing there being like oh, I know that this probably won't be the last time I'm standing here mm. but you know it's that and that's kind of that kind of stayed with me and like, i think as well i've gone to i'll have a demonstration <laughs> um <laughs> and a march um and i think with a lot of a lot of other things you're there is a cohesive voice um and message w within most movements we like this is what we want and this is what we want to achieve this is there's just so much and there's so much to unpack and and need, the need to change that it's just it's a it's quite hard to wade through but yeah. it's like Slow. unfortunately it does feel a bit like slow and steady wins the race and just like we just need to move a little bit quicker yeah. and then get like there a little bit sooner um and i do hope that i'm not standing there in another five years after it's all died down and you know then there's like a, re a resurgence of more violence yeah i just don't want there to be i don't want to lose the momentum yeah yeah um, and i also you know I don't want to be, I want to be, I want to feel hopeful that as a result of this, things will change. Yeah. And I think that that's why for me, what we're doing in terms of recon is I want to make sure that we're taking a really considered approach to really think about how we can dismantle racism on the platform Definitely. and make recon a safe space for all people. It's one of the things I mentioned, um, you know, like during the masterclass event, you know, the issue of... I guess inclusivity is something that we have been working on for a really long time. And yes, 
slow and steady wins the race, but you are right, man. You know, the race can go a little bit quicker. And I think that we kind of have the power to shift it from this perspective. Mm. You know, we have the power to create, um, you know, our, our own narrative and direct it and make it go a little faster. You know, we've done a lot with things of interviews and photo shoots. And I mean, it was very clear, you know, people said, I sent someone a list of some of the things we've done. And the boys club is yeah. one of the things that really strikes out to me. If you haven't gone, you haven't seen the boys club, go to youtube.com forward slash recon and watch the boys club. <laughs> and people, you know, they would say to me directly, oh, you've never used, you know, a person of color in your, in any of your advertising. That's I'm thinking, lie. wait a minute. But, <laughs> even, I'm, even I'm in some of them. Hello. You know, but it's, it's the thing that, okay, we have to, we know, we, you know, we try, we work very hard at what we do. We know we can improve. Yeah. And I think this is a really, you know, a beacon moment for us to realize that we have to do more and we can do more. Yeah. And we know that we will. I think as well, I'd just like to say this moment to say, and I don't, I'm not going to speak for everyone else when I say this, but um, obviously our faces are out there. We, people know that we work for econ and stuff. We put ourselves, we know we do the interviews, we write articles, blah, blah, blah. Um, just because you know our face and you may have followers on Twitter or whatever personally, please don't message us directly about these sort of things. <laughs> like the, it's- I didn't tell you, I didn't tell him to say that. No. <laughs> I, but it's true, everyone, lot, so many people have been doing that and I've had to block people because they have included me in tweets, for example, and I'm like, I'm not answering this publicly in that in this way. And also calling out like recon via me as well. And I'm just yeah. like, if you, if you, you know me directly, so you should just message me directly if you have a question. It, it, this, you know, we're very passionate about our jobs and we love our jobs and our jobs take up so much of our lives. Like, you know, it's, it's not just a nine to five for us, you know, we, we live <laughs> damn we, right. It's yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just, I, was just, I thought I you were going to start singing Dolly Parton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought we were going to go. I can. Yeah. Yeah. But, that, I feel like I'm in a booth right now. Like, sorry. But it's, you know, when you get DMs from people or messages on Recon and they're, you know, saying, why is Recon done this? Or why is Recon not done this? Or why blah, blah, blah. Or just throwing our names out there and stuff. I get it. I get you might have a passion about something. Also, I get some of you might be jumping on a bandwagon. But anyway, that's a different <laughs> But like, <laughs> but like it, i get you i i had to i had an incident the other day where someone basically messaged me asking about several like should i i will he said to me oh, should i do no, it fuck it i'm going to he basically said we can edit it out i know we won't. Yeah. <laughs> he it, said man. he said to me has recon turned into a site for people of color only? And I said, no, what makes you think that? And he said, well, in the last couple of weeks, all you've done is feature people of color and it feels very unbalanced now. <laughs> what about sorry. the years and years of white I'm, content? I'm sorry, so that, so that made me laugh. And I said, is this a bad thing? And he said, well, I think that you're overcompensating. And then I basically blocked him and he and he wrote to customer support and I was like, Did he? Yeah. So customer support had to go back and be like, that is Sandy's personal recon profile. He can do whatever he wants. And I was like, thank you. I wonder what his reaction was when he found out that was going to be a black aerial. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we'll, we'll talk, look, we could go on and on about um, this, this particular topic and we will have an episode dedicated to people of color on the scene and we'll go into a bit more about what other episodes are coming up. But I'm gonna just jump to this next bit. Um, 
where I want everyone to kind of talk about their fetish experience, how you got into it, working for Recon. So maybe describe what you do for Recon um, and maybe a little bit about your position or idea of the fetish landscape. How much time do we have? Oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're going last. Um, so we're gonna go, we're gonna go in order of how long you've been working for Recon. So that would mean the baby here. No, we're starting with youngest hey. to oldest. Sorry, Antoine. <laughs> so we're gonna start off with Matt. Um, how long have you been working for Recon? Tell the good people. So I when um, when these questions came around, I tried to do a bit of a deep dive onto my phone to look at pictures. I was like, I can't actually remember. I think it was 2013. Oh, you're talking about your first oh role. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fuck, I totally forgot about Multi that. Multi-roles. She's had many roles. At <laughs> <laughs> so wait, first of all, tell the good people what your job so, role is now, and then we'll go back. We'll so, do backtrack. Yeah. So I, I'm the brand and events manager. So um, I have a, it's a dual role. So I work um, alongside Antoine with the events and um, also help provide um, content and procure content for the website. Oh, come and on, word of the day, toilet paper. Mm. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Cure. Um, Cure. So tell us about the various Smut roles. peddler. <laughs> exactly. Is what I am. My friends say that I'm the purveyor of filth. Oh, yeah. oh, smart peddler. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. Um, so tell us, what were your different roles? So my first ever role was a little part-time job working on the Recon online store. God, God rest, rest, God rest the soul. <laughs> God rest the store. Not that it's dead when it is actually dead. <laughs> it's yeah, it's dead. dead. Um, which, yeah, which was like, yeah, I guess it was like a couple of days a week, um, packaging up dildos and fetish wear and cock rings a lot of cock rings are sold we sold a lot is this your after school job <laughs> this is <laughs> yes, that, this saturday job this is my saturday. <laughs> um yeah uh, and i think i did that for about six six months wow. and then um it, then fetish week happened and i ended up sort of helping out for fetish week um and then yeah just got called back to do events Every year. Every, every year. And then managed to really establish myself as someone who could build a piss area. <laughs> like no one else. Like, like no, no one else. else. And Very then just silly. made myself indispensable that Because <laughs> um, no one wants to deal with that piss area. When project everyone, dad? Well, actually, people probably would. We probably actually should see if the, anyway, I'm not going to go down that route. <laughs> get, get the members to, who wants to clear up the piss pool? Oh, All that's the piss you idea. like. That is an idea. Yeah. God. So yeah. you've been working since 2000 and what did you just say? 13? I think it's 13. Okay. I think it's 13. Wow. So really you're not the, really the newbie. You're the newbie in terms of the brand team. Though, I'm the newbie. Yeah. Well, in fact, you are the newbie Ooh. now. Uh, <laughs> Does that make you feel young? <laughs> I'm just, I'm a haggard old whore. <laughs> um, um, what would you say has been your highlight working for Recon? I think it's it's always going to be um, fetish week. Like I think like, every time we talk about highlights, I'm like, Ugh. yeah, I'm mean, I mean, like I'm immensely proud of being part of like fetish week. And even like there's just be, there's, I think there's so many like little small moments that aren't really like I, they're not always really funny or really like over the top dramatic. But you just have like these little snapshot moments, which are just like oh, I remember being part. Like one of them is um, do you remember like we bought a dog house for the first time we did a pup <laughs> event. And I remember like, I remember like we were in this like, um, 
we're, we were in this place with all these kennels and we, were, me and Antoine were like trying to work out how we'd have to make the door bigger for it to fit a human in it. Um, how all the pups complained because we put AstroTurf down. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot like, about that. And it's just like these like little surreal experiences, which is like, yeah, just I think make me just really proud that I've sort of been part of the fetish week journey. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Okay, Billy, you're next. Uh, well, I'm the baby. I've only worked here for five and a half years. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I will. What's I, it, what, tell the people about the um, pits of your job. What What do you do? I, well, I am the brand executive, Ooh. which is the title we came up with. Uh, <laughs> um, executive real? No. Uh, yes. That's the only reason I wanted it. Mm. Want to use my flip phone? <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I just have to say, Trask Radio. Trask, Trask Radio. Radio. <laughs> Working girl. Orange. Working girl joke. Um, <laughs> if you haven't guessed, I'm gay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Le> gas. <laughs> so basically, well, kind of when I first started, the job was kind of different to what it is now. I was just sort of in charge of like Twitter, Facebook. Do we even have Instagram at that point? No. no. <laughs> um, and it was kind of just uh, mostly just like, you know, tweeting out pictures either that we'd, f a lot of it was stuff that we just found from the internet and yeah. like, and the stuff about events and things like that. And then over time it's kind of developed, we, we sort of introduced um, member articles, like writing articles myself. Um, and then we started doing videos, producing video content, uh, still doing the social media, keeping on top of that as best as possible. Um, going to events, um, you know, helping out with the events where possible. Although sometimes I've been a bit of a hindrance at events. Ah! <laughs> and we'll get on to that later. <laughs> too many stories. Can I backtrack and say, actually, one of my favorite modes of working recon is working with Willa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, just a good time girl. You are a good time girl. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great. And it's kind of, for me personally, um, Working at Recon has kind of been an education in various ways because I would say that I was, I mean, I always describe myself before starting at Recon as being kind of an open-minded slut and stuff. And so like, you know, I got around, but I never really delved into fetish too much. But then I got, it was through the job at Recon that I started to acquire my tastes and my interests. Um, so it's kind of, it's not just been the journey of the job and with the company, it's actually kind of been my own progression and trying new things, liking some, not liking others, and kind of, yeah, finding my feet in it all. And it's been fun, mostly. <laughs> um, I'll go next. The medium child. <laughs> exactly, the, the middle child, always the middle child. Um, so I have been working for Recon for this year, I think it's seven years now. And I got into working for Recon from an ex-boyfriend who, <laughs> who used to run the store. <laughs> um, but at the time we weren't together. So let me just make that clear. It wasn't nepotism. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine? Um, but there was one day where I think I came to the work Christmas do. That was the first time that, and I think to just explain, like whenever we do something um, as a business, we kind of invite partners to come along. And my ex at the time was like, oh, I never have anyone to take with me, come with me. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll come to your work Christmas dude. Was that Prague? Yes, but we had a, there was a dinner before Prague. Uh, yes. So, um, so there was a dinner before we all went to Prague and I came and um, I was sat next to Philip and I didn't realize that Philip was the, 
MD at the time. I just thought this man talking to me and he was asking me like 20 questions and realized that I did marketing and, you know, had all this background in media and blah, 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 blah. And he was very interested and he said, oh, you know, I'm going to send you some stuff. Like, have a look at this. This is what we've been doing. What do you think about this? And I just kind of giving him like, oh, you should do this. You should do this. And I remember going to, I think he wanted to say thank you to me. So he took me out for dinner and we were mm. talking. Yeah. <laughs> and we were just talking and he's like, I really want you to come work for me. I really like you. I think you're really cool and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, mm, I'm not working for no fetish company. What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but in the end I hated my, I went, oh, I hated my job. Um, I used to work for a marketing agency and my client at the time was American Express and it was hella boring. And I remember ringing him up and being like, hey, you know that you said that I could work for you. What could I do? And I basically started working on doing the social media. Um, and then I, after time, um, <laughs> someone was asked to leave and then I ended up being the marketing manager. I, it's not shade. They, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> and then I did throw some pearls out <laughs> down the stairs. And then um, as the as like the content grew and we kind of just realized that actually it made a natural thing to kind of bring the content and the branding and the events and the marketing side all together. And then I kind of just decided that it would be good to kind of merge all the different teams and I became the leader of, and the wondrous brand director that you see or hear now before bum, bum, you. Bum. <laughs> um, Welcome to Sandyland. In, <laughs> in a world where Sandy owns everything. <laughs> um, so yeah, so my experience in terms of fetish though, so this, obviously this ex of mine was really, is in the fetish scene and kind of introduced me to it. The first ever thing that I went to was Hotwired. I think I might have described this before and I was if, there's one picture of me little baby Sandy in these really tall waders little rubber shorts and I look terrible but I remember Twinkie you were I, cute and Twinkie I was so Twinkie and then I ended up coming <laughs> to San Francisco with you guys as well and that was an experience where I got to where Francois Sagat said oh that I was a cute little baby and gave me a kiss and I'll always mm. remember it forever <laughs> <laughs> he's mentioned it once or twice I know <laughs> but I've I've really come on a journey in terms of my own fetish exploration as well like you were I wasn't really into it and I kind of learn and grew into it. And I kind of think I struggled at the beginning as to, I felt like I had to have like a fetish persona. Mm. Like I felt like I had to be like, oh, fetish man. But I, I just, I can't be like that. That's just not my way of being. So, and then I became this like- Fetish Beyonce. Exactly. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as I knew that I could just be myself on the scene, then that's when I kind of got into sports and rubber and really kind of realized that that's where my heart lies. So what about you, Grandma? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call you Granddad. The Granddad. Right. I think it's been interesting. You know, before I started working for Recon. 14 I, years, this bitch. Let's just do, do a reminder. 14 years this bitch has been here. Yeah, there's only one other person here longer than me. Oh, yeah, Schumann. Schumann, yeah. <laughs> Who is you know, RMD now? Yeah. You know, I think, I think I've always been interested or like intrigued from the sidelines and i remember the day i moved to london at the end of march 2000 my best friend was very much into the king scene and i didn't understand what he was doing and i'm like well why don't you take me out and show me and it was a saturday and i remember we went to east block which was another club that was in east london yeah i remember mm -hmm. i used to love east block me too we went to back street 
and we went to fist. So ah. I basically had a baptism by fire. Jesus. The first day I arrived. <laughs> and I just remember thinking like, I'm just going to be the wallflower and stand on the side and watch all this progressiveness happen. And it was just absolute like, okay, that's really interesting. It's kind of hot and sexy, but I'm having a good time just watching. And then it just all went away. Mm. And I remember years later when I did the interview, um, I remember Andrew asking me the question, you know, what do you think about dressing up into fetish gear? And I'm like, well, I come from a theater background. So for me, dressing up into the, you know, leather or rubber is no different than what I've been doing for the previous 25 years. Mm. And I'm guessing that my journey really started there because I started going to events. I started exploring my kink and my fetishes much more and trying to understand what I liked, um, you know, what made me tick, what didn't. Um, and it was also an eye opener for thinking that there were certain things probably I've always been attracted to that I would have never associated as being fetishes. Ah. Um, you know, like my love of lycra and underwear and jock straps. And I mean, my number one thing, you know, biting, which is something that probably freaks a lot of people out. But, <laughs> I mean, I love sinking my teeth into someone and pinning them down and feeling them struggle against me and knowing oh um, yeah daddy you keep talking like that the table's gonna start wobbling <laughs> this is anton's voice as well when he says silky things, smooth like, oh, oh. you like the caramel bunny <laughs> uh she's angling for a new job <laughs> you know, but i think the thing that has been really interesting was i guess going through that journey and understanding my fetish and then coming out on the other side where I very quickly I think in the job realized that I needed to be able to separate my personal life from the working life. Preach, sister, preach. I think it's probably the only thing that has really overall this time kept me completely, you know, completely grounded. You know, someone said to me once, why do I never see you in a dark room? And I'm thinking, well, there are lots of reasons, but you know, in my job as an events producer, I can't be, you know, in the back of the dark room with somebody nobbing me off whilst, <laughs> you know, the security is dragging someone else and I may be needed out the front. So I'd rather keep <laughs> Can you myself. Imagine? Where's Antoine? Where's Antoine? He's just getting his duck, dick dark, his dick sucked in the dark room. Imagine doing <laughs> stuff in the dark room at an event. I don't know who does things who like was that. It? Who was it? Who was having fun once? And so I was like, oh, could you just help me with my phone? There's something wrong with my app. Ah! And <laughs> I don't know. Someone but, really done that to you. Yeah. Someone did it to me uh, at snacks. <laughs> I have a question to ask you. Life. While I was, you know, giving a very lovely young man a really good scene to, someone literally stopped me in the dark room. Don't you work for Recon? I'm like, yes. I have a question. I'm like, this is not the time. I'm like, my penis is inside another man. This is not the time to ask me Recon questions. Perfect time to ask a Recon question. <laughs> he's got you, he's got you yeah. trapped. <laughs> Wait, it was the guy who is not there. Bring back chat. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> this was the beginning of, yep, separate. Yeah. Personal from the professional have got to be two different things. And I think it's really good that, you know, as a team, uh, I think we're also very good at that. You know, when we're traveling, we understand the times when we can really get involved and we gear up and we love going out and having a good time. But it's also at the end when we you know like, oh my God, get back to the hotel, get a shower, get out of this gear, let my skin breathe. Let's go to Carl's Jr. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think collectively our fetish is going to the snack shop, <laughs> sitting yeah, in our yeah. hotel room and not talking to us. Right. <laughs> like, oh, I love you all, but I need to go away and be by myself now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's have a bit quick break. And after, have a little think about, because I want you to share what you're into, what are your hard limits, right after these messages. Download the Recon app now at recon.com forward slash app, also available on iOS and Android. Stay connected to the thousands of fetish men all around the world and be in the know about all of our events too. Want more content? Follow us on social media at Recon News on Instagram and Twitter. Watch our videos on youtube.com forward slash recon and catch up on the latest editorial news on recon.com forward slash blog. Find your fetish, show your fetish, find fetish men. Okay, um, I said that we were going to ask the tough questions the second half. And the first question is, what are you into? Do you remember actually, before we say, <laughs> before we answer those questions, do you remember that was a very infamous tagline of ours in 2013? Yeah. It was for a very long time. Yes. Oh, no. it, was, it was from, I think maybe even from the time I first started, but it had been rebranded. And it has done right. several loops and several circles around and several different design. That was the marketing well. that was the marketing tagline when I joined. It was what are you into? Because the U was in big, bold red letters. That, that, <laughs> that font as well was hideous. Like the font that's on some of the t-shirts. Oh my God. Uh, font gate steady on. Let's not talk about fonts. Didn't we have cards as well that we get you that people could give out with their phone number on with uh, what are you into? We have some of them yeah. in the storage still. Oh. Oh, wow. We'll give them as giveaways. <laughs> I'll bring some the next time I go down there. I do remember that because you could tick, you could tick the boxes on the back of the thing, right? Yes. Okay, cute. Gosh. Anyway, um, so guys, going around the table, tell me, what are you into? Fetishes and kinks. So going around the table, what are you into and what are your hard limits? Oldest first. What am I into? You kind of already said biting. Well, yeah, I think biting is probably right up there at the top of my list. Mm. Um, maybe with a bit of breath play, I kind of, you know, oh, like. Oh. Choke me, daddy, choke yes, me. Yes, putting my hands up around <laughs> a boy's neck or getting him to just take my hands and put them there. Like, okay, he's into this. Very good. Wait, um, hold on a second. Just going back to biting. Biting or to be bitten? Does it matter? Uh, both, but for me, this is a lot about power play mm. and I won't just let anybody bite me because I'm not sure that they know what they're doing. I don't know where your mouth has been. <laughs> I've got some cheap floozy. No one can just bite me. <laughs> exactly. You have to earn the right to bite me. It's okay. not going to happen. You know, I think it's, I, I realized it was a fetish, I think, judging uh, a competition in Texas some years ago. And there was a Sir Boy um, uh, team. And they was a, it was the first time I heard the word Odaxalanya. I'm sorry, is, what? <laughs> yeah, the, there is, this is actually the word which describes the fetish of biting. And that mm. word is Odaxalanya. Okay. I've got Ooh. it on my Twitter. If you look at my Twitter on the Twitter header, I have it there. And it's really interesting that when I first put it up, so many people have messaged and asked about it and said that they'd never heard it before. Yeah. Neither had I. So this, there is a proper uh, term uh, for the fetish of biting. I, I was going to, sorry, just while we're on the topic, because I've known for a you know, long time that was something that you were into, but is, is do you come up across many guys that are into biting or being bitten or? 
I don't come across very, very many. There are a few, but I think it's also that kind of thing that if you're in a play scenario with someone or just having sex with someone, you know, I think many people, it just starts with, you know, the biting on the necks or giving little hickeys or little love bites. And this is also, I think, where for many people, it's maybe the beginning. Um, but until they've probably been together with someone who explores biting all over the body and understanding what those sensitive or sensual spots are, they may not realize how tuned into it they actually are until they've experienced it. So it's, it has been more than one occasion where I've completely opened up, you know, opened somebody up to it. So. Like acupuncture. <laughs> if that wasn't an advert, I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel um, myself opening up. Right now. Yeah. My other fetishes, I think, um, would be probably gear more than different types of play. Mm. I very much like my lycra, and of course, I like rubber, you know, and latex. And this is really sexy. And as much as I like wearing it, it's great. When it's coming up to sex, mm, not so much. It's like, okay, you look good in it, and now take it off because I don't want the gear to get in the way of me exploring your body. Gear does so, not stay on. Yes. I'm one of those people, <laughs> gear does not stay on. Okay. So you only have to catch your skin once. Yeah. I mean, I can see you out of it, and yeah. that's the attraction, and that's really nice. We get home and we start to play, and eventually I want you out of it. Um, skin on skin action. I think, what are my hard limits? I think I'm quite old-fashioned, maybe, in in the way that I guess fetish or the fetish play or the scene has really um, evolved. Uh, I'm still very much the one-to-one -one type rather than the gangbang type. Um, my hard limits are fisting. I'm sorry, you can't, you can barely get your finger up there. So you're not going to get a hand up there. It's not happening. And I've got big that's hands. Just an ad, that's an advertisement. Mm, isn't it tight? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've got big hands and people always say, I want you to fist me. I'm sorry, these are not novice hands. The hands that I've got are not for beginners. This Ooh. is for an experienced bottom. So I'm, I'm again, you're just yeah, advertising yeah. yourself. Like, well, is it, you're making it a challenge. It kind of is. It's a challenge for myself and the other, and the other person, you know. Mm. If I'm going to give someone the hand, we have to have a really good connection. And I want to know you, you know, I'm not going to go into a dark room and then suddenly put my hand up someone's bum. I don't know who you are. I'm not going to be your puppeteer. Not happening. <laughs> oh my God. No. And I'm guessing my, my other hard limit is uh, is of course, which makes me, I guess, a lot less popular is uh, the use of chems. Uh, mm. I'm not uh, a fan of, you know, the chem sex. I get it. I have many friends, you know, who use and play safely. And I've heard the really amazing and wonderful stories about, you know, what a good time people have doing it. But for me personally, in my play, that is for me uh, a hard limit. You know, I've had a few experiences of, I mean, it's hilarious. You know, you're trying to shag someone and they're just jumping about and spastic and running to the window and looking outside and yeah. they can't keep still. It's actually quite funny in a sad kind of way, but funny. Yeah. And, you know, I think from being uh, on the event side, I've also seen the bad side. You know, I've yeah. once met someone who had taken a little too much of something and I had to call the ambulance. And this is not fun for, you know, having a session with someone when you've got to call the ambulance for them. For sure. uh, so this has become for me a really hard limit. Fine, fair, that's fair. Yeah. Um, Billy. Um, I would probably say that my biggest fetish is um, getting myself into like really ridiculous 
situations in like every day of her life. And then telling everyone all about it. <laughs> Hotel Will. Oh God, you situations. I am shocked. I just have a bad habit of just, you know. Please why? share a story. Just share one story, Will. I can share some if you want. <laughs> I mean, we've all got stories about Will, but let's share one story. What particular type of situations do you feel like you get yourself into? I mean, like, well, unfortunately, see, a lot of them, this is kind of counter to Antoine, is in kind of reference to what we're saying, I was usually probably quite high when these situations happen. So that's kind of explains with some of it. Um, probably, and I've actually written about, I wrote it for Recon as an anonymous piece, but <laughs> the time when I was with a guy and we were like fucking at his in the sling, then we decided to go outside and go to the local park. So we went to the local park and we were fucking in the park. And then when I climbed back over, we had gear on and stuff. And then when I climbed back over the gate, I thought, well, fuck it. So I dropped my, like, pulled down the back of my shorts. And then he was fucking me through the gate. And then a taxi pulled up next to us and like four straight lads got up. So we kind of hid in the shadows. <laughs> and we're like <laughs> waiting for eventually they kind of walked because it was like a little inlet so it was okay they started walking away so I just turned around and started blowing the guy even though they were still what, there what through the gate yeah through the oh gate my God. and then they Filth. saw me blowing him so they threw a bottle at us and stuff and then we just ran away and stuff but so basically with Will anything goes she's a good time girl <laughs> she'll try with it anything for at least once and maybe twice and then again but anyway no like in answer to my question into the, the <laughs> question. To my, to my question. The, the question. Um, no, I, as I say, when I started, I kind of didn't really have much fetish experience. Things that I've discovered a taste for are lycra, which was a massive surprise for me. I never thought that would be something I'd be into. Rubber I enjoy. Again, it's kind of gear-based and stuff. There's still loads that I'm yet to try and write articles about, no doubt. Um, one thing that really surprised me, which I really enjoyed, and I think that's partly to do with the guys who led me through it, was Gunge. Um, that was, some, again, something that I would never imagine, but actually it's such a tactile experience and it's a sensation like something I've never experienced before. So that's possibly something that I would be looking to do again. Um, but as it is, I'm fairly open-minded and up for trying various things um you're an equal opportunity slut <laughs> yes well not currently because i'm in a relationship but <laughs> i feel like he's gonna listen to this so i do need to stress it <laughs> um, are you still in that phase of where you're pretending not to be yourself he knows but like <laughs> there's one thing unknowing and one for me talking about everything on the podcast but anyway um hard limits i would say and of course Hard limits go with no judgment and stuff, but like I probably, one guy asked me if I would like, this really hot guy sort of asked me if I wanted to do like some scat sort of stuff with him. And like, he was hot and I would debated it, but it just, I it's just not for me, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I would really like to be into it, but I just, but, but, you yeah. know, all, all power to people who are into it. Um, the other thing I would say is, and again, this is not in any disrespect to anyone else who's into it, but I was going to write an article about trying put play and I just couldn't do it. I can't, my, I can't go into that headspace and stuff. And then, you know, all respect to guys who are into it, but it's just not, I, that's not how I, how I get into things and stuff. So, so yeah, um, scat and put play are probably my two ones that I can't get into. Okay. Fair enough. What about you, Matt? 
Uh, I, I always didn't have any limits. <laughs> yeah. What's a limit? <laughs> Webster's uh, definition yeah, of a limit. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it just goop. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't exist. Um, I always dread that question, like what I mean to you, because actually, isn't it a horrible question? Yeah, it's because the I think worst ever. <laughs> because I think like it, it's it's very varied. Like I think I think it depends on the connection you sort of have with someone you're playing. Definitely, I think it For depends sure. on the, um, the the mood I'm in. Um, <laughs> I am an equal opportunist. <laughs> I will try pretty much most things once or twice. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, like to be, I I always find other people's fetishes fascinating mm. because, for I mean, I would love to just be like I'm into this, this and this only, and then don't not derive out of that. But actually, I really enjoy exploring things with people. And if someone has a passion for, or has a, a really into something, it's really nice to be on and indulge in that and be part of that experience. There's no harm in giving stuff a go. That's how I like to think. Is that how you reason? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's everything a go. <laughs> I'm not going to be fucking anyone through a park. Yeah. <laughs> was it wait? Um, you're not going to do anything in a park? No, wait. No, wait. I've done that. Too late. <laughs> You've done it with me. The tea is all coming out. The tea is being spilled. One, one little story. Um, Will was fucking my, my <laughs> flat. <laughs> Oh my God, are we going in? Okay, we're going there, go. We was once um, hooking up with my flatmate and in the middle of the night, I went up to get some glass of water and all came out. So I fucked him in the bathroom and he went back into my sleep. <laughs> and the kitchen. And the kitchen. <laughs> the first time was actually at a recon event and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately though, he introduced us having threesomes Life. and stuff. And, yeah. like, and then that kind of, and then it was just, he sort of fell by the side a bit. But then we were at um, the sports party. I'm a better dick, sorry. <laughs> To be fair, this is Dewey. He had a good dick. Oh. <laughs> he did have a good dick. Yeah, you just couldn't oh, use I've it. Seen <laughs> dick as well. Am I the only one who hasn't seen it? Maybe. 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 God. I feel like I'm missing out. It was good. I don't know. Wait, did I see it in person? I didn't have it in my hand or mouth. Anyway. Oh wait, this goes out globally, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm shouting. <laughs> If you're listening, I haven't seen it. Please send me a pic. <laughs> I think I've. I think I've. I don't think I did anything with actually. Or maybe I did, and maybe I blocked it out. Well, anyway, well, there we go. <laughs> back to, back the to me. Um, I think if I was, <clears throat> I think if I was to try sort of like categorize the things I, I'm into, I, yeah, sort of rope work definitely BDSM, verbal, bit of rubber. I really like. I really like me, like man scent as well. Mm. I think that's something like I think. As I've got older, I'm just like, hmm, yeah, it takes. But I do go through these kind of, um, it's like they, they're kind of ever changing as well. I think that I'll be into something really quite a lot for a, for a period of time and then it will almost develop or, or escalate into something else. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, most things really. Hard limits, um, scat, I just I can't <laughs> get into it. Um, and the things as well, looking the way I do, people just assume that I'm into it. <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? That you look like you should be you know shat on? Having a chunky septum ring and a sad and sad looking eyes, I think people just assume that you're into having shit all over you. And I'm just not. Huh. That's interesting. I used to wake up to so many messages. <laughs> shit all over me. <laughs> so many messages. Will you shit on me? Can I shit on you? Oh, no. Um, not really into vomit. No. Oh God, I didn't even think about that. And, um, and ball torture. I, I can... I don't mind doing it to people, 
I, I had a, when, when I was about, when I was about 10 or 11, I, um, when your balls drop, it, like it's quite common that your testicle tubes can twist mm. and it is so horribly uncomfortable. Yeah. I had to have an operation. And I think it, for me, it's just, it's sort of stayed with me. So balls are like an off, an yeah, off thing. If someone's, if someone is going down on them, like my back is immediately up and I'm just like, mm, let's just, we'll see how, how far we can push this. But, um, yeah, it is a bit of a hard, a hard no for me. Wow. Oh, and no Tories. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I was wondering if we were going to get really political on this show. That's it, I'm leaving. Right. <laughs> um, I guess for me, um, what am I into? What am I into? Gear-wise, I think it's, no, not I think, it's rubber and Lycra, like I think most people around here. I have, I'm trying so hard to wean myself off of Adidas. <laughs> It's not even, it's beca it became Folks, a real- it's never gonna happen. No, 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 I, it became a real issue at one point because I just had to go to the Adidas store every single time, everywhere that we went. And I was wearing head to toe Adidas at one point. Um, but yeah, sportswear is a really big thing. I really, really like it when people gear up in that and rubber just makes me feel sexy. So I think gear wise, that's the biggest things. Um, kink wise, I am a massive voyeur and I can kind of like, one of the things that I used to really like doing is getting boys to my bed and getting them to like blindfolding them first, putting them on the bed and just watch them play with themselves. Like put toys there, start being very directional and verbal and telling them what I wanted them to do. And I wouldn't, I would just sit and just watch them do it. I have this thing about like, Okay. You're gonna make your stock hit a real big stock. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who I am? I'm the recon guy. Um, no, I'm gonna be really, I'm gonna be, I don't know if anyone understand, will understand this, but I have this fascination about when I'm, when I'm alone, I'm always thinking about like what other people are doing. And I just find it really odd that like everyone does certain things, but we just don't know that they're doing it or when they're doing it. Unless you're Will, who tells you <laughs> what he's up to. There's something about like, I think when you're with someone and having sex with them, your engagement and interaction with them is very different to when they're by themselves. So even if someone is wanking in front of you, it's very different to when they're wanking by themselves. And I just have this fascination about like what that's like. So for me, I want to put someone in a state where they forget that I'm in the room so I can see their true colors in a sense, because I like to see other people get off. Mm. Like that is like my ultimate thing. And I could literally just like, I could come just watching you really enjoy what you're doing. Is that why there's cameras in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> and I really enjoy that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So that for me is like, it's a major thing. I enjoy like, Thank you so much for telling me about Bow Cemetery because oh, yeah. <laughs> taking Bo out for a walk and going through the cemetery is an eye opener because you see all sorts of things. And I just <laughs> love watching people do things. Like, even if it's the case of like, I find the art of cruising really, really hot. Like, 
you haven't even done anything. I just know that the, it's almost like the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The energy of it. Like, yeah, but the, the, just the insinuation that yeah. something is about to happen, that really excites me. Yeah, like if anyone's in the mood for cruising, go to Myland Cemetery, because <laughs> it, especially during pandemic, it's been rife. My friend came across 30 guys in a pileup um, about two weeks ago. Well, about a month were ago. they social distancing and wearing masks? They were not. The police broke it up, apparently. Oh. Um, that actually, sorry, just to jump in on your one thing that I should say, and it's not really a fetish, but outdoors is my absolute favorite. Oh, and that's a good one. So yeah, and public toilets and stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> Are there many public toilets? Not public toilets, but like in a pub or in a restaurant. Oh and stuff. yeah, got you. I think that's also quite interesting because as much as I love my idea. <laughs> What's your restaurant scene going to? What's that on toilets? Garbage. If you if you're horny and you like, the, me and my partner, we're both on the same length wavelength, and it's like if we want to fuck, we'll fuck. So. That's Fair enough. Really Sorry, how am I going for brunch for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, inviting me out for brunch, and I didn't see him for two hours. Um, Antoine, what no, you I was going to gonna say, as much as I love my gear, I think my other <clears throat> fetish, if it could be a fetish, which well, probably will shake some trees, is uh, I'm very much a naturist. I'm a nudist. As much as I love being in my gear, I absolutely love being out of it, and I love being naked in the outdoors. Mm. And I find that really. Um, quite sexy. Mm -hmm. And also I think this is where my, like you, my voyeurism comes in. I love seeing what people are doing. And yeah. I like the hot energy, you know, watching people cruising. Um, I think that's, yeah, that I find that a real big turn off. It's really funny. I'm going to mention something and I want, oh, my hard limit just to add, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, my hard limit just to, is I agree. I, I just can't get on board with poo. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I've dabbled in scat arts slightly. Scarts. Scarts. <laughs> oh, I have dabbled in it. And not like, I haven't shat on anyone, no one's shat on me, but you know, obviously gay sex can be messy sometimes. And it was there and I'm like, okay, I'm not mad at it, but I don't want it to be the main feature. But this guy obviously was really clearly into it and had purposely. <laughs> yes, that's, I felt like it was on purpose and I was like, Ah. Well, anyway, but it was fine. He was hot, so I allowed it. I've, there's a, oh, I've got a really, I've got a really horrific story, but I don't think we could probably keep it. <laughs> you can tell us afterwards. I tell, I'll tell you afterwards. But to reiterate, if you're into scat, yeah. that's totally cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the thing is, and I, the thing is, and I will just add to my, what am I into? <clears throat> a bit like you, uh, Matt. That like, it really depends on the person that I'm with. Like I can, I what I've learned about myself is that I can do any number of things if someone puts me in the mindset. However, that being said, hard limits. The poo thing is no. And I also really don't like being told what to do. Mm. Like I hate it when someone comes in with this like aggressive kind of like, I'm gonna make you this. And I just, my body just cringes and goes, no, you're not. Like <laughs> not to toot my own horn, I have a great butt. And everyone just wants to get in it. And I'm like, but I hate it when people go, yeah, I'm gonna fuck you. That kind of energy really turns me off. You are the great deceiver though, always with your ass up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for someone special to come and poke it. <laughs> no, but no, seriously. And I, I know, and I just, I just don't, that is my, for me being, I just don't like that. I, that for me being that dominant energy doesn't work for me. Um, but I was gonna say as a team, do you find that your fetishes have changed over time 
working for recon or that has had an effect on your fetish life oh, working for recon yeah. can we talk about that a little bit <laughs> because i'm gonna say lots of people think that i'm gonna have fetish, like really kinky rough sex with them and i'm like no i just want to cuddle <laughs> I, i'll definitely have to say that working around it for so long has definitely changed um you know my personal experience and it's always interesting you know if i'm dating like i'm single now but dating and if i'm dating someone who's kinky you know, we come back from an event where I've been geared up every day. You get home and they're like, oh, let's gear up and have some fun. No, bitch. I'm going <laughs> to no, have at no, least no, a no, week of no. cotton so my skin can breathe. Exactly. I am not going to get you have to wait. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that always, you know, it's a little challenging and it's, it's an interesting thing to balance. But I've definitely noticed that my, I think over the years, my gear play has definitely got less and mm, less. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, it's funny, actually, um, to that point, like, Obviously, like I, my tastes have expanded because of working at Recon. But yeah, I think I think a lot of people don't realize that about this job. And we are literally like surrounded by fetish and involved with fetish. Well, like me personally, especially monitoring Twitter and the social media accounts. It's it's constant stuff. So it can kind of like sometimes you just reach a point where it's kind of like I'm you know yeah, I, I'm it's okay. the last thing I want to do yeah especially like <laughs> I just want to have a real lazy fuck yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, I just want to lie there like like we <laughs> have a kiss and a cuddle and watch some Netflix and yeah. call it yeah. but stroke like, my hair <laughs> stroke, stroke my hair and call me pretty <laughs> with um with like big weekends or week long things and stuff like it can be so because we're we're working as well as like you know sometimes playing and stuff but like it so it does take it out of you but I'm one of my one of my the this one of the the nicest experiences I had in relation to events is we went to San Francisco. We you know we'd had a party on the Friday. We'd you know um, we'd had gone to a party on the Saturday. Then it was the fair on the Sunday, and I pulled this really cute fuzzy bear guy. And we, first of all, I went to the pool at the, mo the hotel and I was just like, there's all these guys in there fucking and I was just like chatting with them while they were all having fun. And then I went to my room, the guy came over, we went and got burgers and then we watched The Little Mermaid and fucked and ate burgers in bed and stuff. And it was like, <laughs> it was just like one of the nicest experiences, just like, you know, it was, it was so wholesome, but at the same, you know, so filthy and sex twinged insert yeah. no one told you to go to Carl's Jr <laughs> <laughs> which is my favorite one of my favorite highlights ain't nobody tell you to go to Carl's Jr for breakfast girl no, sorry we have so many in jokes we've been together for quite a long time so sorry if there are too many in jokes but hey ho okay so we've spoken a little bit about the events and I've got some quick fire questions and you just have to respond with one name in the team who this relates to okay in relation to when we go away on events so there are five of them and I'm gonna go round clockwise. So Will, you're going first. Okay, ready? <clears throat> Who's most likely to go missing at a recon party? Me. <laughs> yes. I will. Yeah. I would say, I would say back in the day it would have been me, but yeah, sorry, Will, that's your, um, that's your crown. Um, who's, who takes the longest to get ready? I.e. who's the precious one in the team? Sandy. Sandy. Yeah, Sandy. Rudeness. How dare you? But yeah, I probably do. And I, and I always need extra hands to help me get ready. Can you come to my room and help sure. me shine? <laughs> Number of times I've had to rub that boy shiny. <laughs> I just can't get my back. I'm little. Okay. Um, who's most likely to make out with someone at a booth? You. Sandy. I'd say me, I think. Yeah, yeah. I was going to yeah. say Matt. Oh, true. I, I think we've all had our moments at booths, but yeah. Yeah, I think we Yeah, I think we're all... 
I think we've all had our moments. I've definitely seen you all make out with people. Didn't Didn't you take someone to the toilets of San Francisco before? No. No, it, but uh, on a booth, it's kind of just like a yeah. hello in a way. It's almost rude if you don't. <laughs> Come and kiss us at the at one of our booths. Um, okay, who knows the most people at any of the fairs? Antoine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's been around. Antoine. Yeah, Antoine. Antoine knows everyone and has got time for everyone as well, which is really lovely. Admirable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who's most likely to spill the piss pool onto themselves? Me. <laughs> well, well, I'd never do that. <laughs> Will, you are a clumsy fucker. Um, I am a very clumsy bitch. However, so. I will say that I once fell asleep in the piss pool. Really. <laughs> yeah, you did. It was, I was so tired and it we, was- We were long hours, people. It was like <laughs> the end of the party and I just thought, I'm just gonna have a little sit down in this room while they <laughs> clear it up. And I just fell asleep in the piss room. Um, okay, what are some of the biggest misconceptions about working for Recon? <clears throat> We work in a dungeon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Our office is so nice. It's very airy, very uh, modern very media office. Yeah. yeah. I think people ask us, oh, what do you wear when you're at work? What do you mean? I wear jeans Zara. my trainers and a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you should just open Zara. Today I'm here to tell from Zara. But I think that's really a big misconception that people think that we actually sit around the office in leather and rubber and, yeah. you know, that our office looks like a dungeon. It's a bit kind of crazy. I think that the the one for me is also that we um, we uh, are kind of like fucking everyone that we that we have access to sex like twenty four seven, which is often not the case because yeah. as much as we joke around and we're talking about our sexual exploits, normally when we're away at these events, we're like Will said, we're working and you guys are on holiday. So for us, for me, I can't, like we're at the booth all the time. And then it's like, if you see some trade that's walking past, they're walking past and moving on to the next bit of trade. And you're like, come back. (laughs) Oh my God, you travel so much. You must be shagging everyone. If you only knew how exhausted we are at the end of standing at the booth and talking all day. And the last thing I want is sex. Oh no, the last, no, 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 actually that's, yeah. I mean, I want it, I I just don't have the energy for it. I want it, I don't have the energy for it. So I make it very clear. Like if you're, if you're going to do this, you have to basically, (laughs) <laughs> this is gonna sound so bad. You're gonna have to be my, my assistant for the day. Bring me drinks, bring me kisses, be nice to me. And then at the end, I'll suck your dick. <laughs> I'm more like, if you can be quick, then sure. <laughs> Let's make this a five minute jobby and then you can fuck off out my room. Yeah, right. perfect. Don't. Oh, yeah, at the end of it, I don't feel very sexually no. motivated at no. the end of a long day on a booth. Or also when you spent all day just watching everyone else fuck, you're just like, ugh. <laughs> I mean, think about it like this. At the end of at the end of full fetish, how many hours do we spend cleaning up the slings and the like, piss area and the fences? <clears throat> and I'm just not sexy at the end of it. I don't feel sexy at the end of it. Yeah. I just go yeah. home, I have the longest shower. I don't want anyone to touch me. Do you know like, no. the last two, maybe... No, the last two full fetishes, uh, not full fetishes, uh, fetish weeks, I've not had sex with anyone. Oh, really? Yeah. To be honest, actually, actually, pulling it back, like... If you've had sex with a fetish week, please write in. <laughs> no, 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 I was just gonna say, obviously for the last year I've not, because um, I've been seeing someone, but also even prior to that, I kind of, I think 
I went a bit mad the first few years of working at Recon. So, Which is, yeah. So, but then... <laughs> Relatable. Standard. But then I have kind of, I have settled down a lot. Like, whoa, mostly. Some parties, there's some... Paris is always ends up being a bit of a disaster for <laughs> Those me. Those French boys. I, if well, you've just, seen Will walking around the dark room at Paris <laughs> with her ass hanging out. Not even the dark room. No, it wasn't. Just, it was it the was, dance floor. It was the dance floor. <laughs> the dance floor. Wow. That was, in all fairness, though, it's because my back was fucked. So I took two coatings. Wait, wait, wait. Because I took two codeine and I took more and then and Matt gave me some tramadol. I didn't realize it was all kind of mixing up. Then I had a drink and I was fucked. <laughs> wait, wait, your back was hurting. So you took the wrestling singlet off and pulled it down Let so that your whole ass was ass. out. But my headache went away. <laughs> <laughs> and my ass ache began. There have been so many times when I've come like woken up the next day after an event and just been like, <gasps> No, I'll save Manchester for another time. But like, <laughs> oh my god, I totally forgot about Manchester. Oh my god, that that can be a podcast. In <laughs> Did it, you so. ever think that you'd be? Oh no, shush! shush. <laughs> Did you shush. ever think you'd shush. be shush. Shush. someone like him? Shush. The answer is no, no. I did not. That's okay. a story for another time. That is a story for. There are so many stories that we could tell, oh. and actually, like. <laughs> so, I know there's so. We many have lots of dark so, stories. Oh, stop it! The time that I felt you. <laughs> Yes. I can hear this bitch. Antoine, is that your shoe? Yes, it is. Hooker, let it go. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, I could see Antoine's shoe because you had these. My Star Wars special edition. uh, It was in Gran Canaria. And happens in Gran Canaria. I know. Stays in Gran Canaria. Okay, we have to, we'll dispel all these these stories. Maybe we'll make an episode of it. That will be the finale. Bring your stories. (laughs) The the season finale will be bring your stories. No names are allowed. (laughs) 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 Okay, last question. Um, And then we're going to wrap it up, I think. So think very carefully about this. I want pageant answers only. (laughs) No, I'm joking. Um, What do you love about the fetish scene? And what do you think needs to be improved upon? I think what I love about the fetish scene is the the vastness of, I think, relationships and kind of, um, and the, the dynamics within, like, you can have within, the, I guess, the fetish landscape. And I think, yeah, the sort of the, there is an openness and acceptance and um, which I think sort of, I think transcends a lot of a lot more within the fetish gay fetish community than it does in the wider gay community. Which I think, yeah, that's it. What I what I would change, and I think it kind of falls into the things I don't really like about it, is I think there is an element of classism mm-hmm. when it comes and elitism in the fetish scene, and I just find it just a bit. Um, I just find it a bit ugh, like it. It really does make my eyes roll quite a lot. No, I hear you. I think that. We, we've heard a lot about kind of like you need gear in order to be part of the scene. I will say that for me, I don't think you necessarily need gear to be kinky. There are some events that definitely, if you want to, sorry, if you want to go to an event, there are some events that you just need some semblance of gear. And I think that with our parties, you know, we recognize that they're all different types of people and different types of festivals. And we try to make our parties as open to as many different things as possible. So, like, as a basis, if you've got a jock strap and a pair of boots, like, by all means, yeah. come on in. But I, I do get the kind of thing, like, of, like, you have to have gear and it has to cost this much. And Yeah, for me, like, I think it's the, um, obviously, fetish is definitely, like, a mindset more than anything else. And I think, yeah, when it comes to, I think when you go away and you see people, wear, like, wearing gear, I think it's, um, 
I think sometimes people get so wrapped up in like, this is what, uh, this is only what fetish is. And I think that comes from maybe people as very protected of, of their own fetish identity. Mm. And so a very much, this is what it is, end of. And I don't think, I think actually it needs to be a bit more fluid. And I think it is, I think it's definitely gets, it's got better, but I think people, yeah, are very rigid sometimes. Yeah. What about you, Will? The man. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> what do you love? What do you think could change? No, genuinely, mine are kind of flip sides of each other in a way. But um, when I first, the first event I ever went to was in Antwerp at the Boots. And it was the first fetish thing I'd attended. I'd been to like sex parties and stuff, but not anything specifically fetish. And um, I was so scared to go beforehand and I was nervous. I got quite pissed on gin and tonics and stuff. And then, but then I got there and I just had such a great time. Like, and what basically what it is, is the people like I am um, on the fetish scene. I think there's on the outside of the fetish world, there's this kind of perception of fetish men being like, and, you know, like sinister and blah, blah, blah. And there is that there's an element of that. And that's kind of horny too. But like, actually, when you get into conversations with people, when you chat to people, which is part of my job, you actually get to know people and on the whole, like, you know, 90% of the time, like, everyone I've met is is great and you know funny witty kind of endearing and stuff like so yeah it's the people that I really enjoy on the scene um the flip side well it's not necessarily flip side actually but the thing that also when I came into this world I came into it thinking that everyone would be because you know people into fetish are on the margins in in some regards i thought everyone would be accepting and you know welcoming of all different types of people and different types of um interests and stuff but so it kind of was a bit disappointing in a way when it was kind of like leather men it's not so much this case anymore but you know like leather men do this and rubber men do that and there's pups and stuff like that and there's still factions and we're still it's still like you know bears and twinks and you know basic gates why there's always factions and mm. i kind of i i just there's sometimes it's sometimes like there's narrow perceptions of what things should be and i just wish people could just in, appreciate other people appreciate appreciating other things yeah for sure i think one of the things that in learning about what's happening at the moment and what we're all talking about it's really clear and it's something it's really clear to me that as marginalized people, we need to stop marginalizing ourselves. Yeah. It's really, really upsetting when that happens. And I wish that we could just recognize that, you know, I understand your pain, I understand your struggle. It's not, you know, the same as mine, but I can see the similarities between us and let's, you know, come together, unite and like, you know, fight against the system together. But yeah, you're right. That that is a bit. It's a bit. Shitty. I mean, it's just. It, it's not unique to the fetish scene. It's just. No. It's kind of just part of any place in the world. I just kind of thought coming into this that people would be a little bit more open to alternative ideas. And obviously, this is this is a generalization and stuff. There are many people who like mixing up and doing blah blah blah. But I just wish we didn't have to have tribes quite so much and mm. stuff in various aspects, like you know, interests, race, whatever, and stuff like. That. I just wish it was a little bit more open. Yeah. But yeah. I'll go next because I'm going to save Antoine for last because I feel like Antoine's answer is going to be really good. <laughs> it is going to be because it be shit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it up now. Um, what do I love about the scene? I I think I'm similar to you, Will. I really love the people. There are so many characters on this scene that just really entertain me, <laughs> make me laugh and make me smile and make 
you know, this job really easy, I think sometimes, because you kind of recognize that you're doing it for people that are really appreciative of it. And, you know, they get so much out of it that I really love like kind of watching that. I think the thing that a bit like you will, I don't really like, I find it difficult to kind of get my head around us marginalizing ourselves in this way. But I, I kind of also really struggle with the idea that the scene has to stay the same, mm. stay the same, sorry, that it can't evolve and that we can't make new rules and new things to kind of follow. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the only way that it will continue to grow and kind of future-proof itself. Otherwise, you know, I'm I'm totally respectful of history and tradition and all that kind of stuff. And I think that that does definitely has a place. However, I think that when new people come into something, cultures kind of have to develop and change to kind of suit the time, but also the new people that are kind of like carrying it forward. And I kind of would hope that there is some room for that to kind of exist. And I think that that's kind of been the my struggle personally through working here. I found it very difficult when I first started to know how to be like I already mentioned. And I think that as soon as I just started being myself, I felt more comfortable. And I think once other people recognized I was being myself, they were, they were able to be their yes, Kiki self as well, which is really great to see. But yeah, I kind of, I think that's the only thing that I would change about. And I think just by, I always think this actually, would my, my experience would be, I'd know for sure would be so different if I didn't work for recon, if I wasn't in the position that I am, I'm in. I think that I'm really lucky in that respect because my experience would be very different if I was say, just another black gay guy on the scene coming fresh onto it, like, and having no one to kind of like guide him through. And I always think about that. So that's why, you know, I'm really nice to people when we come to our events. I mean, I know it's my job, but I genuinely care about the fact that some of these people may not have a real entry point into this scene. Um, so yeah, I think that's the only thing that I think that I would change really. What about you, Anthony? I think one of the things I like about the fetish scene, I think I'm lucky that I haven't quite let go of it in all this time. You know, the first event I went to was um, my first really big event was the big party in Berlin and then the Folsom Europe Street Fair the following day. And I just remember thinking like, what a fucking amazing eye-opener this was. I saw all these people. <laughs> I saw all these people and I thought, oh my God, these people are fucking crazy. They're mental and I absolutely love it. And what I really like is that we have, and you know, in, in my job also, I can help to create these spaces where people can really come out and they feel free to express themselves and have as much fun and be as crazy as they like. And what I enjoyed at the beginning was also, you know, people talking about this openness and this acceptance within the scene. Um, and, you know, over the course of years, it has also been interesting to meet more people. And then you realize that there is this openness and acceptiveness, this acceptance, but there are lots of barriers. There are lots of boundaries, I think, especially for new people coming in. You know, the scene has created this sort of fetish elitism you know there are these um you know and dare i say you know the self-appointed fetish royalty 
I'm like, who was it that decided that like, you're <laughs> Who the fuck Wait, decided when did we vote? When did we vote? I didn't get my ballot, so. You know, and who voted for you to be the leader of, you know, said tribe? Yeah. And I think that this has led to much less inclusivity in the scene, I think, than people would like. And it, it also makes it difficult for new people coming to figure out where they fit and where they yeah. belong. Because if you're not a part of one of these groups or one of these, you know, royal families, mm. you're forever like a little outsider. Yeah. You know? And it's it's hard. And, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, especially standing on the booth and talking to people. And you know that I have time. I talk to everyone. You really do. Um, and that will probably never change either. But because I do, you know, I hear the different sides of the stories of so many different people. And I think it would be really great if we could try to embrace, you know, that openness and the real understanding of what it is to actually be open and accepting of everyone who's on the sea. And I think it would really change and, you know, more people would come out and I think, know, keep having a good time. I think yeah. for sure. And I think we can say, honestly, unless obviously we're clearly like, you know, running around ragged at an event and just like, you know, clearly busy i think all of us are open and receptive to people talking to us i know some people might not think so but i i personally as it's been well documented i enjoy to chat so, <laughs> so if you're coming to an event or like you know for a first time and you're feeling a bit uncertain and stuff like that you know if you see us around come welcome i can't speak yeah. for everyone else but come speak to me I, like i will if i if i if i'm not like run ragged i, I will spend some time i'll even like if possible try and like you know if there's people that people i know you might be able to chat with i'll try and help you out because at the end of the day it's all our scene and the scene is only stronger the more people we include and like the bigger we get if we can't keep going down narrow pathways of like this people knows this people like one of we did a, a survey after re, our last party in december and um, one of the things that came up is that newbies struggled and they found it hard to integrate into yeah. into the scene um, because a lot of time people, you've got your friends, you've got your people, you stick to them and stuff. And that's fair enough. We're all like that. But also the scene will die if new blood isn't kind of given yeah. a chance to, to get involved. So I think we should all just kind of open up a little bit more. And yeah. Kind of, yeah. I think that we've like, as a team, as a group of people who obviously work in it, also understand our position within the kind of elitism spectrum. Like we're, we're privileged in a sense to kind of be able to be flown around and see all these things and do all these things. But at the same time, I think we all recognize that we're here to service a community as well. So, you know, if you guys see us around and need help or need or have questions, obviously come and say, hey. Um, but yeah, I think, Will, you made a really good point. One of the things is also reminding people, you know, how down to earth and how real we are. <laughs> a little too real. I mean, if, yeah, this had podcast has Even down to the very simplest thing, you know, we're at an event somewhere and, you know, someone says to me standing in the queue, you're in the queue. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm in the queue. They're like, why aren't you going to the door and just going in? I'm like, because everyone else is in the queue. And I, yeah. I bought a ticket like everyone else. I'm not on a guest list. You know, I bought a ticket and I queue like everybody else to get in. So it's, you know, we, we, we are real people. Yeah. If, if I can push in, I will push in. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know who I am? I would never play that card, but if there's an opening, I'll, I'll go in. But that's because I'm an opportunist. But, you know. <laughs> I mean, if someone pulls me out of the... The, the, the queue. Oh, I like, won't say oh, no to I'm that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we're very down to earth. <laughs> yeah, and come, you know, I, it's one of the things I always say to you, you know, come and talk to me. We're at a booth or anywhere else. Just 
Well, I don't do the dark rooms anymore, so I won't say come and talk to me in the dark room because <laughs> she ain't gonna happen. Because you can't even see in the dark room because you're so old. <laughs> <laughs> Get but, my eyes in. Need some extra lighting. Exactly. Then you can see me. It's fine. But I mean, yeah. yeah if you see me sure. anywhere, come up and talk. Come up and, and talk to us. I've got time for you. Yeah. So with that being said, we are. That's you know, pilot the pilot done of the recon podcast. Give yourselves yeah. a round of applause because we don't have an audience to give us a round of applause. But wait, Sandy, what comes next? <laughs> <laughs> well done. Oh, you stupid bitch. Um, so we've got a couple of topics that we're going to cover in the next couple of episodes. We're going to be talking about body image. We're going to have a talk about being a person of color on the scene, um, fetish and the law, what that involves, and also drugs. Drugs. <laughs> drugs. Oh, Again. <laughs> That's a friend's joke. Anyway. Yes. Um, and, Very topical. Um, and obviously with all of these topics, we're going to Make sure I don't, not all of us are going to host at one time. We're basically going to pair off and have a couple of guests every single episode as well. So you won't get bored with having to hear my voice all the time or Antoine's all the time. All mine. You'll never get bored of my voice. No, no, you're, you're, you're a treasure, a national treasure. (laughs) Is anyone remote control? Mute. We would love to get some feedback as well about what you think we should cover in the next couple of episodes. Yeah, definitely. So make sure you email us at podcast at recon.com. That's podcast at recon.com. But guys, thank you very much. Pilot, done. Bye guys.